Dreams in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome back to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboricultural industry. Today's talk is by Matt Palmer, a Vegetation Policy Manager for Interjex. Interjex is an electrical supply authority for southeast Queensland in Australia. Along with Dr. Paul Blackmore, Palmer has been instrumental in establishing and implementing the Visual Tree Assessment Program at Interjex. This podcast features Palmer's talk on visual tree assessment for electrical reliability. It was originally presented at the ISA International Conference in Parramatta, Australia in July 2011. Thank you everybody. Of all the presentations you're going to see today, this is the best Australian presentation. You won't get a better one than this. So my talk today is on um, visual tree assessment and um, what I want to do is, is, I may generate a fair few questions, so I'm quite happy to answer those questions as I go through the day. So there's no need to save your questions till the end, just sort of jump in and if I can see you through the lights, I'll, I'll um, get you to yell out your question. So what I'll be covering will be, I'll do a bit of background on how we sort of came about um, and how we evolved into our VTA, what sort of approaches we looked at when we were looking at our fall distance trees or trees um, that we don't clear in our normal maintenance clearing, uh, how we measure what we do, what we find with what is happening with that, and those findings, I guess, tie in. We've got the visual tree assessment plus it lives in unison with our, our tree failure database and those two coexist uh, as our measures and finding to um, know that we're working on the right, in the right area. Now just a little bit of background about um, uh, Energex. Um, Energex is the, dis the supply authority for South East Queensland. Uh, we have about 35,000 kilometres of overhead network, around about 10,000 kilometres of underground network. We have around about 3 million customers and we have about 300 contract cutting crew or 300 staff, about 150 crews, um, which just do our maintenance work within our area. So we're centred in, in Brisbane, in Brisbane, just, just here in southeast Queensland. You may have heard of the Gold Coast, which is just there, but 
we go about 150 kilometres inland and um, we've got a, a large sort of coastal area, but we only cover about 3% uh, of Queensland. So that's, that's the area where the population in Queensland is at its densest, um, where Ergon covers the other 97% um, of Queensland, but they've got probably a third of the number of customers that we, we have. Now, the visual tree assessment basis is round, um, we've developed around Klausmatic and Hells-Brelaw. And this tree is a, a typical tree um, of what we have in southeast Queensland. Um, southeast Queensland has very uh, wet summers. We have uh, dry winters. Our summers are very humid um, and conditions are very good for growing uh, vegetation. Fire is not really um, a high risk in Queensland. It would be in, in southeast Queensland anyway, um, as opposed to what you see in Victoria where they have their dry summers and uh, wet winters. Um, so of all of Australia, where that, that's the part of the world that I am, fire is a very minor component of, um, of, of our work. We, we do have a little bit, um, but there's certainly not nowhere near the rest of Australia, and we're probably pretty unique in that. Now, the legislation varies all the way across Australia, and in Queensland, that legislation um, has us responsible for um, the tree and its safety of the electrical network. And so there's no responsibility on councils and individuals if they plant a tree in the wrong place we're still responsible for managing that tree. And this is an example of, of where we've had an issue. Um, we've had quite a few outages on this particular line. This here is a whole row of giant bamboo and it is a fair distance away from that line but it'll send a cane up and we have to continually manage that. Um, it sits outside our normal cutting profile. We've tried on countless times to get that bamboo removed, but haven't been successful uh, as the owner wants to retain that bamboo as it's sta stabilising a bank and uh, there'd definitely be big issues about, about clearing that bamboo. Now, how we evolved into using VTA until 2004, we really only had the, the finances to um, just get the trees out of the wires. Before that point in time, we are in a little bit of a mess. Extremely high growth rates. We couldn't see our network. We knew we were having outages from what we call the risk management zone. And, but we only had the funds to concentrate on cutting the trees in that particular area there. So in the mid-2000s, we, we were getting uh, better budgets and we knew we had this issue and we knew that it was time for us to um, start looking in that risk management zone to try and improve our reliability. So this was an example of a tree um, that caused an outage on, on our network and you can see the, um, 
the tree has sort of delaminated itself from a failure point here. It's ripped right off the ripped right off the side of the tree. This is this particular tree, I think, say spotted gum, um, and that that's probably a little bit of an a little bit unusual type of failure that that we've had. So the approaches we looked at, there was certainly um, pressure on us to look at a clear to sky approach. But we had a lot of environmental issues were starting to sort of raise their head then. The clear to sky was something I guess, if you work for a utility, you're working a lot with engineers, they see things in a very black and white picture um, and they just saw if we clear the sky then there's no longer a problem. They don't realise the other issues that unless you remove the tree that you're just creating a high maintenance regime um, and you've got, most of you probably would have heard Ken James over the last couple of days, but you're creating trees out of balance and in the long term you're creating more reliability problems than you're solving. And the cost of doing that clear to sky um, is astronomical. So we really wanted to start at looking at how we manage that risk. This, this particular outage we had here is um, this particular branch is where it's torn off and there was a piece of dead wood and that had decayed back into this live timber just here. Now we couldn't see that fault from the ground um, but it certainly became self-evident when that was analysed um, after the outage. Now, significant trees is something we have in VTA and this is particular site is of some significant... Does anyone know where this is? It's fairly significant trees. No one's... Anyone seen these trees before? No? Someone's seen them before. So, as you can see, they were so significant that we removed that particular line and put it underground. So, we're really looking at a different approach to what we'd done before. We, we had to consider we had 35,000 kilometres of network to get around. And we believed we had approximately one million trees within our risk management zone. We had about 500 outages per year. So if you calculate that, that means that one in every 2,000 trees within that risk management zone was causing an issue for us. So it means the other 1,999 weren't. So why would we do any work on those particular trees if they weren't going to be a problem? <coughs> and this, this particular tree here is a eucalyptus Pilaris, which is also known as a black butt, and you can see over here just the size of it. There's that pole uh, is probably 12, 13 metres high. The tree goes well beyond the top of the picture. A massive tree, a massive cost to do any work. Uh, it's, it's shed a small branch here, um, which caused an issue on the network, but there's many trees like that. Um, 
close to our network. <coughs> so what we're really looking for is the needle in a haystack. How do you find that one tree in 2000? And how predictable is it with that one tree in 2000? And if we could only identify 20% or one in five of those trees that cause outages, what effect would that be? Now this tree here is a grey gum and you can, this was a little bit unusual. The tree had a fracture at some point in time but it still sat there growing up on the line and then in a bit of wind it came down. And here it's almost like someone's got what we'd call a, a Stanley knife, I think Americans call them box cutters. Um, and it's, it's like a perfect slice and this is Kino from that eucalypt has just sort of leached through that um, and then the wind has come along and that's failed. So we came up with a process for how we would do our, our visual tree assessment. <coughs> we based it upon our feeders. Now feeder is our 11,000 volt network where it emanates from the substation and up to the last customer. Um, they vary from two kilometres in length to 200 kilometres in length and most of them would, average would be about 20 kilometres. We then prioritise those feeders on level of importance. We issue that then to an arborist uh, to go and analyse that feeder for us. And what we've done is we've broken that into a category depending on the number of customers. So on a, on a line that has, say, over 2,000 customers, um, he would doing a high level of inspection. He may even do some climbing inspections if he, he wants further information to one that was under 500 uh, customers where it's more of a drive-by trying, trying to get the um, obvious defects there. And, and a lot of that's got to do with what is our return on investment if we improve that reliability for 2,000 people as opposed to less than 500 people. He would then submit a report to us. And um, here's an example of, I've got an example here of a report. So the sort of information that we're capturing is its location, its street, its um, where, whereabouts the line is, whether it's a council tree, a private tree, uh, the voltage, the species, the defect. Let's see if I can. So we go into some detail with the defect. What would happen if that tree failed? What sort of equipment uh, we would need to um, do the work? How much sort of work is involved? Um, how, how much time is involved? Any access issues? Who did the work? That sort of thing. Now here's an example of a tree picked up on our report. Uh, this is a, a spotted gum again and it's got some pretty severe mechanical damage just, um, just through here and that was certainly a tree that we ended up removing and I'd say that mechanical damage was probably done by an excavator, it's sort of like a rural block that's been developed. 
Now, when that report's um, given to us, we are then assess that report and we consider alternatives. So we may be able to, and, and, and probably in the majority of times we go ahead with the work, but if we had a, a long piece of network, we had a branch off, off, off the main part of our network where there was a high focus of, of tr defective trees, we may be able to do something like put a recloser on that particular part of the line. And so instead of 2,000 customers being affected, it might be 50 customers affected. Um, so we can do that and that can be more cost effective than if we had to remove um, or, or spend a lot on a significant amount of trees. That, wish, that work that's been identified, we'd issue to a contractor to cut. They go and remove the vegetation identified that failed VTA. Here's another eucalypt here that uh, was removed. You can see it had quite a significant lean towards our line and the target area, it had nowhere else to go. There was some, a fair amount of decay in the base and I know when we looked at this, we couldn't, felt like it was, could come down at any time. I, I certainly wouldn't have parked my car or stood under there for too long. So measuring what we do, and, and the big issue is, how do we know about the outage that we don't have? So if we've identified this work, we've always got to justify ourselves to, to senior management. Um, how do we measure the effectiveness? With our normal maintenance program, it's very easy to um, measure our effectiveness because we, we don't get outages for trees growing in mains. But when you're looking at tree branches falling on mains, you still get the tree branches falling on mains uh, even though you've done this VTA work. So it's a long-term assessment on how we measure this. And we were doing comparisons of assessed feeders to feeders uh, non-assessed, but as we get further and further through the program, um, that as a measure loses its effectiveness as um, there, there's less non-assessed feeders to do. And this particular tree here, uh, also caused an outage on our network. It's a, in our north coast region, it's um, an Eleocarpus grandis, this tree here. And it's just to show you some of the size of the trees we're dealing with. I think the top of the tree was roughly about 50 metres above our network. Um, it's also a common name is a, a blue Kwangdong. So, what happens then is our, with our tree failure database, we investigate our outages um, by someone who works Energex as opposed to um, using contract staff to do this and they submit a report. They take photos and our tree failure database is um, in the vicinity of, of, I think we've collected over 300 um, uh, trees in our database now and it's a, every, every time there's an outage we try and, and get someone to investigate it 
not always successful. Sometimes we go out there and there's nothing to investigate. We don't add those things to our tree failure database. But if we can get useful information, um, then, then we certainly put that information in. And what we're finding, back to that one in 2000, that the vast majorities of trees will not cause a problem and that the trees that we're dealing with are inherently stable. We also find that a minority of our outages are predictable, that when you assess that tree from the ground, you look at the tree, um, we've, when we've gone to look at the outage, we think, well, there's no way that could have been predicted, there was no signs. Um, but we feel that even the question I ask is, if we could only predict 10% or 20%, is that still acceptable? Is the cost savings that we would get for what we invest in our VTA program still make that a worthwhile? Now, I've included this, this particular gum tree here. Um, it caused an outage and it was assessed under VTA. Um, and it, it's something that we consider when we're doing our assessments is, is um, as this tree's on a corner, um, we look at its target area. So it's probably got a 270 degree target area out of, um, um, out of, out of a circle, but um, something like that is more likely to cause an outage as opposed to something on a straight line. Now, we're finding, we've measured that over 75% of all outages are caused by eucalyptus species. And that probably relates to our population of what we have um, in our risk management zone. And I would say we've actually got more than 75% of um, trees within our risk management zones are, are eucalypts, but we, we really don't know. That's, that's just my observation. But other species we've found that are causing uh, issues on our network are, are bamboo, palms, pine trees, uh, the acacias or the wattles, the casuarinas and, and malalukas. And here's an example of, of a palm. Probably doesn't come up too well in the slide, but it, um, it was burning. These, these fronds here were actually... Um, burning, but that's not something that we would normally identify in the VTA program, that's something that would be focused on removal through our normal maintenance program. We're finding that the large dead hardwood trees will fail from the tips back to the trunk over many decades and they don't tend to fail at the base all that often. Um, and Many times, if there are no other issues, we're quite happy to leave those not, if they're not going to affect our network. But the softwoods and smaller diameter hardwoods um, do, are more likely to fail towards the base. And if that's an issue under VTA, we'll look at removing those particular trees. But overall, 15% of our outages are being caused by entire tree failure. Now this is a very large eucalypt that um, um, we were assessed and we decided to leave that tree there 
in this sort of scale of this photo, the, the network here, is, there's probably eight metres between that phase and the trunk of the tree, so it's actually well away. You can see there's a, where it's breaking down there um, with probably was the equivalent dead branches over the top that we've removed. So we've removed the hazard. Um, and for that tree to now affect our network, it would have to fail at the base or not too far up and, and come over towards our lines. So there are still, uh, there's, there's certainly plenty of trees like that in, in southeast Queensland. We're finding that summer branch drop um, does not appear to be a major issue for us. And I think summer branch drop is probably more species specific and the um, river red gums are normally found west of the divide. We don't get those particular trees in our, our, our area of Queensland. Um, but they're probably the major contributor to summer branch drop. But we've certainly had a look at that and it's not not causing us issues. Now 61% of the outages are trees that we had worked on previously under our maintenance, where the others are, are sitting outside that profile. And almost three quarters of trees are on, on private property as opposed to council trees on, on the road reserve. This, this is here is just an example of um, um, many trees in just one of our spans um, that you know there's quite a there's many spans in places where we just have um, a wall of trees against our line. Now we only find five percent or less of outages are caused by shedding bark. Certain eucalypt species are more prone to shed uh, uh, long lengths of bark and there are three main species being the um, Eucalyptus molecana, which is the gum top box, the Selegna, which is the uh, Sydney blue gum, and the Polaris, which is the black butt. And so they, they, we certainly get those in, in, in parts within our area, the Selegna right across, but the molecana and Polaris are, are um, only in specific areas. There's a bit of bark hanging on our lines. So often in that situation where we're unable to remove um, those trees with bark, we'll look at putting a covered conductor up, um, which does tend to prevent those bark outages. Now that particular branch there is the smallest branch I've seen to cause an outage. But we are, do find that the majority of our outages are by small branches as opposed to large branches or whole tree failures. And a contributing factor to that is the narrow trident construction. Um, now that is a construction where you have a high voltage network and you don't have a cross arm. So you've got the top of the pole, you have an insulator that sits on top and then two out the side. So it's a triangular formation of conductors and the spacing between the phases is between 300 to 500 millimetres. So it's, what they've tried to do is we also get a lot of cross-arm failures, so they're trying to eliminate the cross-arm failures, but 
narrow trident just does not work where there's trees involved. So we also have a, uh, as part of our, our sort of ongoing maintenance outside the tree world is, is to remove that narrow trident construction and we, we replace it with a, a um, what we call wide trident where it's the same type of construction uh, but it sort of sits on a sort of uh, a metal frame and we, we achieve a lot bigger spacing between conductors. And there's another small branch that um, fell across narrow trident and they're both sort of branches that if, if it was a different construction would not have caused us an issue. Now 24% of outages are caused by dead branches um, so they are significant, very easy to pick up as part of VTA. Um, they don't have a sail area so you can see them directly above. Um, they've got nowhere else to go but straight down on their network. But 50% of outages are caused by trees in good health. So it's just the normal part of, of shedding there. But a very large percentage are caused by branches directly above so we don't in, in normal conditions get too many outages from, from coming too far from the side. Here's an example after a storm where we've got um, multiple branches uh, across our network. And we tend to find that in our measures that the distance away is logarithmically proportional to the outage. So if you get twice as far out, it's four times less likely to cause an outage. It's probably because you're, you're reducing your target area the further away that you get. And this, this particular tree, you can see you've got an angle here in the network. So it's got a very large target area. You've got all your foliage on one side. There's been a fair bit of damage to the tree on this side in the past. There was decay in this point here. Um, there's a very sad looking iron bark and not too long after this photograph it was no longer there. Now we find 16% or 1 in 6 outages are from trees suffering root damage. Now that is not whole necessarily whole tree failures but where there's been compaction, uh, root severing and, and being waterlogged. In, in that particular photo there um, this tree caused an outage and there's a brand new retaining wall which would have removed at least two thirds of the root system of that tree. It was suffering um, and it's one of those things you can't understand why that tree was retained when they built that retaining wall if that retaining wall needed to be there. And there's a whole tree failure uh, again after um, a bit of a wind event. Now in southeast Queensland, our habitat trees are certainly at a premium. Um, there's been a great loss of habitat trees as, as southeast Queensland has become more and more developed, one of the fastest growing regions for, popula uh, for population in Australia. Um, and the habitat trees are, are, um, have certainly been affected by that. So as, as we work in that risk management zone, um, we're really 
working, we don't get the habitat trees as part of nor our normal part of our maintenance work. Um, so we're working with these habitat trees um, for the first time. Now this tree, when it, which caused an outage when it was investigated, um, we, it was just chock-a-block full of these uh, rainbow lorikeets and they were flying in and out of hollows on that particular tree. A habitat tree really is any tree that um, has animals living in it. Most of our animal, um, animals that live in trees tend to live in hollows. So it's more likely to be a tree that, that forms a hollow. Um, but it could also include, you know, birds that build a nest. So it's anything that is, uh, I guess our definition is, is anything where there are animals present within that tree. Here's something I prepared earlier. This little critter is called a, a feather-tailed glider. Uh, it's endangered. It's found in southeast Queensland. And as you can see, sitting on someone's finger, needs a, a very small hollow. And it's something that has become endangered by the removal of its habitat. This is a, a dollar bird. And it's a migratory bird. And it's habitat within the east coast of Australia is, it, it relies on hollows. Its numbers have diminished over the last 50 years as there are fewer hollows for those particular birds to, um, to nest in. There's another type of glider which is a squirrel glider in its hollow and uh, the micro bats also use the hollows. So we also have other animals like possums. Um, they used to use hollows, but now they use people's roofs instead for nesting. Um, but I guess they're the main, they're the main animals that our native bees uh, use hollows uh, as well. So there's many, many animals that um, tend to use those hollows. And, and the vast majority of those hollows are, are within our eucalypt population. Here's an example of a, a very large habitat tree. It's in an urban area. Uh, it's close to our network. And, and what you tend to find that the road reserve is quite often the only place where the habitat trees exist uh, because they've been cleared off all the freehold land for development. And the road reserve is where we run our power lines generally too. So we're coming in conflict with those, those habitat trees. And that other tree is a larger shot of the tree I showed you before with the, the rainbow lorikeets nesting in. Now we've found 20% of all our outages have occurred from a habitat tree. But we also find that we can remedy the, the faulty part of that tree without removing the hollow. And what we do under our VTA practices um, we will not remove an active hollow, no matter what the risk is to our network. And that even goes so far as to our expectations are, if we've identified some work to be done, um, the, um, we've issued it to the cutting crew, they go and uh, turn up on site, no hollows were identified when that was tree assessed, they get their bucket up high, they can see active hollows as they're just about to cut, 
they're told to abandon ship, not do that work, report it back to us, they couldn't do the work for hollow. Um, if we see as a, a, an issue, we'll certainly look at re-engineering or doing some alternative as opposed to removing that hollow. And, and this tree here is exactly what happened there. It's a large uh, eucalyptus terita cornus or forest red gum. And um, the crew set up to do some work on this tree. It's probably 40 metres high, well over 100 years old, active hollows. Uh, when the crew set up, they, they saw wildlife in that tree and um, they moved on. And that tree is still there today and hasn't caused an outage on our network. So here's a couple, here's a bit of an active, bit of wildlife in this tree here. A couple of birds there coming into land. Anyone know what this tree is? I'll put this one in because it's actually one of my favourite albums. It's, uh, I'm a big Genesis fan so um, I just thought I'd sort of throw them in. So what are some of the issues that we've identified with both our, our VTA program and, and also our, our database. And data accuracy um, has been a huge issue for us. We, we brought in this system a few years ago called Field Force Automation, um, and that has greatly reduced the accuracy of the information we get on our outages. So what we used to have happen before we had that, that's a, a computer system where the linesmen who go out and repair the, the damage to our network, they enter the data in. Before that happened, they used to ring up our control centre. We had a dozen, say, highly trained experts who would then put that information in. They would get all the right data. They'd identify that it was a tree issue. They'd tell us where it was. We could then go and investigate it. So now the linesmen put that information in. They just put any old information in. Uh, instead of 12 people doing it, there's probably 600 people doing it. Um, they choose all the wrong cause codes. So many, and instead of giving us a site where we need to go, they might just give us a whole feeder. So we, it's um, an ongoing issue. We, we're trying to address it through education, but um, many times we just can't find what, what the cause was and we, we just move on. It's, and as I, I mentioned before, how do you know about the outage you don't have? And when you report back to your senior management, um, that's always going to be a thing. They, they want to see measures, they like to see pretty graphs, they like to see you know, arrows going the right way and you can't necessarily plot these things. So there's just another outage. We weren't able to identify, um, you know, very large tree, very small bit of dead wood, um, a typical, one of the typical outages that we tend to investigate. <coughs> now with the VTA work, it's a high use of live line to perform this work. Uh, the regulations are such in Queensland that if you're working above our network, no matter how high above the network, it's live line work. And live line is the most inefficient and costly way to, to cut trees. <coughs> Corporate acceptance of the program, which goes back to how do you measure the outage that you don't have, is an issue. 
And so there's that continual education process of, of, of management is saying, trying to get their support to the program. And that also is that corporate acceptance of people saying, well, why don't you clear the sky? Why don't you just remove all the trees? We also tend to have, being a, a government organisation, fluctuating budgets, you sort of have floods and fires and famine and pestilence, and they adjust things to um, do that, and it makes it very hard to um, give a long-term structure to that work, and that also affects the efficiency of the program. So if you're using your contractors, but suddenly you give them a whole lot of work and then next day you turn off the tap and then next day you want them to resource up and down and up and down. And that certainly happened to some degree with our, our VTA program. Um, sometimes they just can't cut enough trees for us, other times um, they've got the resource there, but um, we haven't got the money to use it. Now, it's an ongoing long-term program so to get the full effectiveness out of it, we can't just go over the area once and say, oh, well, that's it, we've done our VTA. Um, okay, what's next? So it's really looking at this as, as a, a long-term strategy. And we're looking at how often do we assess the feeder? Uh, we're starting to do some work now on that because we're coming around to, within the next year or two, have completed our whole network so a lot of that will be based on where are we still having outages. Um, we'll probably look at those areas more often than areas where we're not having outages and when we've gone in assessed and didn't find anything. We've also got seasonal variability. So we had five or six years of drought um, and we were certainly getting many outages and, and a lot of stress-related issues with the eucalypts. It's normal for them to compartmentalise themselves, shed what they don't need. Um, we've had three seasons where it just hasn't stopped raining. Um, if you look at the canopy of our forest now, it it's, hasn't been as, as lush and vigorous uh, for quite a long time. And as a result, we're having um, this last couple of years we've probably had less outages than we've had in those previous years because the trees overall as, as an urban forest are, are so much healthier. And the subjectivity. So I've, I tend to find that the more experienced arborists that you use, uh, the more knowledge that they have, um, the more variation that you're going to have in, in what they assess and what they... What, what they come back with. How's that work? Um, I don't know if any of you have heard Martin Norris's actually he's done a thesis on this. And, yeah. Um, and I know Martin's, I don't know how it exactly works, but it's, you know, we've all got our own opinions, I guess, of, yep, that looks bad. I oh, know she'll be right, mate. But I know Martin, the work that Martin's done, um, he, he's actually done a lot of good work on that and his results do show that um, the more experienced the arborist, the greater the variation in the results. Now this is an example of, of one though that um, there is no subjectivity to, it's a, a no-brainer really that you've got, uh, oh, keep pushing the wrong button. 
there's a bit of um, a length of dead wood from there directly above our network and so we would take at least take that branch off at that point get rid of that problem so that's quite often is is um, some of the sort of things they're identifying under VTA so three approaches that we looked at with the VTA work we could do nothing but then that wasn't acceptable as outages were too much of an issue we looked at our clear to sky approach we had to do a lot of work in that um, a lot of measures of what would be the cost of clear to sky um, and very effective when you deal with when when you work for an organization that's run by engineers and accountants if you can cost that and show that it's astronomical then that does help in coming supporting about doing something in between so and it gets back to that if it isn't broke why would why fix it and this particular span here um, we counted over a hundred trees within the risk management zone just in one span so a clear to sky approach here would require the removal of of trees in a rural area where there was might have been 20 30 customers on that whole line if you look at the invest you know the return on investment for the amount of energy they generated it probably take two or three hundred years to pay off the um, um, the cost of removing those trees as opposed to the amount of revenue we'd get from the meters from the electricity they use now we find that the report when we have the qualified arborists going in and identifying uh, the work that this really helps with our communication with our customers uh, that sometimes is, is always an issue with our maintenance work when we go in and try and maintain trees and certain customers don't like us cutting trees but if we've done a report on a tree and we can show the customer hey we'd like to remove this tree because it's a defective it's got this decay in um, you know explain to them what the issues are with the tree they've definitely been a lot more accepting of us undertaking the VTA work and and we've got a lot more removals I think than we have on in our normal maintenance program and the program is as I said very long term to determine how successful we are with this work and what we're doing we're continually reassessing and reassessing are we meeting is the VTA program meeting our needs are we doing what we um, is it meeting our objectives are our objectives changing uh, we've recently got some new measures I guess with what an outage costs us um, we'll be doing a, a fair amount of sort of number crunching looking at what we're doing to see um, you know should we be spending is, is the value of an outage or, or the loss of revenue from an outage um, affects us more um, so that's part of the ongoing assessment now this particular example here you've got a tree that is um, leaning away from the lines and again it was um, 
there's a lot of root plate movement at the base here um, and that was identified by an arborist to uh, remove but when we looked at it um, the only way it was going to go was away from our lines so we decided not to remove that I think out of courtesy we spoke to the landowner and said they had a bit of a problem that they needed to do something about it but it goes back to looking at our target area and only doing the work that that is going to affect us we don't own those trees um, they belong to a homeowner or council our VTO program has um, upskilled the level of knowledge and experience of our internal staff um, so we from what we see getting a lot more technical um, we're getting more educated people within within our company and we think what we've measured so far that we have been successful we've got to measure that against the seasonal variabilities the number of storms that we have um, when we're measuring our outages but over the last five years we're seeing that downward trend in in outages from trees outside our, our clearing profile and what we're trying to target with the VTA program is non-storm events so when winds get over a certain level um, you know all bets are off you just go and put your network back after you just get whole tree failures or they they snap you just get multitude of outages it's lots of small branches it's the way eucalypts cope with bad storms at times is just to drop all their leaves um, drop what they don't need um, there's no way you can predict that's going to happen and it's not really what we're trying to achieve is, is prevent those things during the the bad storm events now we're not the only ones that cut trees poorly <laughs> that uh, um, tree particular tree there was something we identified uh, we wanted to get permission from the customer to do some work on that tree they did not want us to do work and they said I'll do it myself thanks and we came back later and that's what we found now our outage investigations and maintaining this this tree failure database has really assisted us in then translating that into our VTA program to say things like well if it's a small branch is causing the outages that's what our VTA scopers need to look for um, if whole trees aren't causing an outage if summer branch drops not an issue um, if you know included bark is an issue then we should be looking more at those sort of things so that tree failure database um, ties back to helping us get a higher level of predictability I'll go back one there so this was just an avenue here again of a multitude of um, hundreds of gum trees both sides of the road it sort of went over the crest of that hill and um, there were some health issues in in some of those trees um, we decided not to do any work here and we replaced that that open wire high, high voltage with our covered conductor um, and the performance on that part of the network I don't believe we've had any issues since now this particular bit of VTA you can see the stump 
We haven't ground the stump here yet. So, um, but, and you're also in a very historic area. Any, anyone know this one? No? No, it's an American band. There we go. So, any questions? This concludes Matt Palmer's talk on visual tree assessment for electrical reliability. If you would like to learn more about vegetation management, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the best management practices for integrated vegetation management. If you'd like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, the code is SA7319. Again, SA7319. If you have recommendations for topics to cover in future podcasts in this series, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country, trees you know we can Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge Traditional skills and modern techniques Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer Every day, climb with the ISA